Healthcare workers, they work crazy hours, have to stay emotionally steady in order to make quick decisions that someone's life depends on. And they're expected to do this all while staying up for sometimes days at a time. So what about their mental health? What can they do? Today, we have on a heart surgeon who says enough is enough, and he is here to not only advocate for healthcare workers' mental health, but give them a tip that will make their brain happy. Welcome to another episode of Happy Brain. My name is Heather Parody, and thank you for joining us as we explore the fun side to mental health by digging into the simple hacks and fun tips to make your mental health journey more enjoyable and your brain a little happier. Dr. Simon Maltese is a practicing cardiac surgeon, former vice chair for the Mayo Clinic, and he has pioneered new approaches for heart surgery. But get this, y'all. He's also an advocate for the power of self-growth for improved mental and physical wellness in healthcare workers. And he also helps men in healthcare break taboos about their own challenges. He's the author of Healthcare Anonymous, Learn How to Put Yourself First While Pursuing a Calling. Y'all, listen, if you have a healthcare worker in your life, this is the conversation to send them and just... 15 minutes, we are going to shed some light on an industry that needs some mental health attention. That is our incredible healthcare workers who are serving their hearts out right now, saving lives. And I asked Dr. Maltese, you know, I, I love this tagline, learn how to put yourself first while pursuing a calling. Because I think a misconception here is that if you have a calling to serve and to help, you should be able you feel like sometimes you should be able to handle the stress that comes with it. You know, I was trained, I was observing people that trained me. So I got into the practice of, you know, being a servant for patients. And yet, you know, I was always chasing something and progressively my life was really falling apart. And all the pieces that made sense before, meaning treating patients, you know, getting along with my colleagues, uh, having time with family, the balance was off. And, and then I started to think, well, why are we so sort of ingrained into this process of thinking that we need to always be there at all time? Why do we need to always sacrifice our personal well-being for the greater good, right? Mm -hmm. And, and then, that being said, that's not like it, it is necessarily a wrong thing to do. I just never thought about it. And, and through, you know, very heavy personal things I went through, started to realize that my relationship with the system and the service of others was uh, was wrong, and I and 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 it was slowly sort of creating a lot of a lot of behaviors that were coping with sort of this chronic state of unhappiness. If that makes sense. Now I know a lot of the issues probably within healthcare is simply just fatigue. I mean, I, they work crazy, stinking hours. What else? And you know, in addiction, we talk about you know when you when you go through recovery, they they say, and I talk about this in the book. They they talk about how it's important to sleep well, to eat well, to, you know, not be angry, to sort of the hate 
acronym, right? Hungry, um, tired, energy, and then sort of ate well. So that's the definition by itself of a call. You know, you sort of build in. There's weeks in residency, even as a staff surgeon, that I didn't go home for four days that... Yeah. Uh, you know, I uh, I did a hundred plus hours a week, and we. It's funny because the you know the system is protected in some ways by the medical education system, so they want you to do at the most eighty hours a week. But we're all falsifying our numbers, so we had to fill out this Excel sheet, and we all wrote eighty. You know, yeah, all the way down, and and sort of. 15 of us, which were fellows or residents at the time, were all having 80 hours a week, but we were there. I mean, we were there 100 hours a week. And if you dare to sort of put 82, then you were basically not getting a job ever because you were sort of the black sheep, right? So that, that mm-hmm. sort of decided to speak up. And so the culture in itself is like this. And, and you know, God forbid, I chose the probably the worst specialty among others, heart surgery, it, it, we are trained to be sort of super gods or sort of like above yeah. everything and make decisions. And and it really translates into your life where you, you know, everything becomes numb and nothing counts but being in the hospital, saving a life and being a heart surgeon. I remember, you know, my wife telling me things about her day, my ex-wife now, but things tell me about her day. And, and it was just numb. I just like, okay, you didn't find this and this, you didn't, you know, fill this paper and you can reach that person. I I killed someone today or, you know, or had a complication today. So everything becomes really numb, just like any other problem. So yeah, the definition of itself of being on call is being hungry, being tired, being lack of, having a lack of sleep. I mean, I spent 36 hours up some days or, you know, night back to back nights with a full schedule the next day. And so it does eventually, you know, you wake up one day, you're 50 pounds heavier, you're angry at everybody, you're at HR all the time and you wonder why. Well, it's not that, that, you know, it's not rocket science. You know? Numbing. It sounds like this numbing is really a shield to protect themselves from the heartache of their work. And so when you talk about self-care and your mental health, it seems as though you might have to take that shield down that's protecting you. Yeah, you become, you have to somewhat preserve yourself to, to, to be to be numb. And not everybody does it to a certain degree, but everybody, I mean, for me, I became in this sort of low state of depression from a lack of empathy. You know, I could have a complication. I could not have a complication. I developed this sort of ability to walk by, you know, in a room, patient just died from, and especially now with COVID, it's daily thing. You see people die and things. So, so you develop these sort of lack of empathy behavior you think are just self protection mechanism, but they're really not. There's just a low state of depression. When you start caring for people, you know, that's the first sign of, of depression. It's, 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 it's sort of this, um, and then, and then, and then, and then you fast forward a couple of years later, and then you wonder why people get the full blown, you know, alcohol addiction or full blown right. maniacal right. depressive disorder. It's because these behavior has been sort of there for, for a long time and, and we sort of got accustomed to it. So that's one. And then I guess from a, it was really an eye-opening thing to me because for a heart surgeon, I mean, it's pro- I know, I know you, you don't know all the particular about being a heart surgeon and the history of it, but there are, we have mentors and we have history in heart surgery that is very strong-minded into being the guy, being the person. So for me to not come down, but like, well, I mean, I guess come down on my pedestal and sure. sort of, you know, sort of start opening up to people was in some ways therapeutic, but very countercurrent, you know, sure. and, um, and, uh, and then now I receive a lot of messages from people not even knowing that the book will be coming out of, 
just pouring out finally somebody in our profession, not just heart surgery, but in those high specialty practices, highly performing areas has started to speak up. And that's the, that's the real reward. And so when I started to speak up, I started to realize that a lot of people were wanting to speak up. And so I spent about 18 months going around, I mean, not just in heart surgery, but I, I went uh, in, in nurses, technicians, ICU doctors, patients, and ask around, you know, what, what were they going through? And then just really an open question, you know, how, how's it going? Where are you coming from? And, and, then, and then I started to see sort of common patterns, right? So the mm-hmm. things that people have, have uh, and I, I got some help, you know, from a professional psychiatrist that helped me sort of discover those patterns. And, uh, and, and, and then we started to track, you know, this healthcare, what I call it as a healthcare disease, as, as being a process of progressive illness that people acquire with work. And the tragedy is, is that people live in that world every day. It's like asking a drug addict to work in, uh, you know, downtown, downtown, a major city, or it's like asking, uh, you know, uh, someone that has an alcohol problem to work at a, at a liquor store, you know? So you have an imbalanced way of, of dealing with your work because it's, you know, you be, you become numb, you become empathetic, you be, and you, you you, you develop uh, a problem when the environment, but then you're stuck with it, right? So you, right. you have to go to work every day and you have to show up because that's the way, well, that's your work first, but that's the way you were, uh, that's the way you were trained. That's the culture. And so it's ingrained in you for the last couple of decades. So it becomes very difficult. And for me, it was forced on me because I went through a lot of really heavy stuff, but a lot of people don't get to get forced, you know, and then, and then they sort of have diseases that do force them to make a stop. If that makes sense. It sounds as though that so many of these problems are systematic. So what can healthcare workers actually take action on? I think the first step is to create a community, you know, so to break this taboo sort of system that it's not okay to speak up. It's not okay to ask for time. It's not okay to to express feelings about it and how you feel. And it's people do it, you know, here and there in the newspaper, you see a Facebook post here and there, but there's really no forward uh, community uh, work to do that. And, and that's, the book is a bit like that, right? I, I want to increase the awareness of it. I want to have the platform for people to speak up. And, and so that's the first step. And then, and then it's for people to partner with their, with their department or hospital to create a system around not reacting to the event, right? So the, the hospitals are very good about dealing with somebody that attempts suicide or, mm. uh, you know, has a big alcohol problem that impacts patients. They're pretty good about sending you to some rehab or some, you know, treatment and things or psychiatrists put you on hold for six months on administrative leave, but it's reactionary, right? So what I've discovered through this, I think we would gain a lot, both the system, the patients and the, and the practitioners to proactively establish system where people can pause during the day, where people proactively can share, you know, their struggles. What are the things from a day-to-day basis. And it's usually it's, it's usually really simple stuff. Allowing someone to leave early because they have to pick up their kids. Right. Allowing them, allowing in a rotation people to maybe take a Friday off or even just wear jeans or maybe have a platform to speak up. Maybe have a little 30 minutes meditation in the afternoon, providing a place to train in the you know setting, bringing someone that will do yoga with your department, whatever it is. Having a feeling that those sort of resentment are 
are heard. And, and that, so that's, that's, and that requires taking a pause for, mm. for the individual, for the, um, for the, for the department, for the hospital, realizing that that's a real costly issue because turnover is super expensive for a hospital. Yes. The, the, you, the, that's just not, that's not about cost, but there's also a big part of experience of patient care and it's frustrations for the people that work in the system. So it's a huge investment to say, well, you know, we're going to make this our priority. We're going to make this work a non-evil environment. And, sure. and, I, and, and, and so that takes, that, state, that takes work. And some places do it well. Some places I've hired some outside consultant, you know, to sort of start the process of doing that. But it's usually seen as punitive. I know because mm-hmm. I've been through some of these processes. I've been fired myself for being angry through these processes and it's usually for the individual and for the system seen as punitive and we got to get away from this now what he is saying takes so much time and if you're already overworked and stressed out you might be saying to yourself well dr maltese that's nice for you but i genuinely cannot spare one more second in my day and it took me years to and, and personal struggles to decide to take that space and um and the space is not what we think it is. It's not canceling all your cases. It's not not seeing patients. It's making establishing time during your day when you check yourself. I call it mm. the book virus scan yourself. When do you feel like you're having too much? You say yes too much. You, I mean, it's maybe saying no to a couple of things, maybe dropping a few things. For me, it was dropping everything. I, I just dropped from, I was president of this, vice president of that on six boards or whatever. I was traveling the country and the world every two weeks. I was operating a lot of cases and it was, I call it taking a pause. And then when you start back establishing those, this, you know, maybe schedule and things is to be able to virus scan yourself, find those moments where, and in a lot of ways, to say this, but I call it that way, but where you feel you're sort of being dragged out again of this, of what you want to accomplish, find the things that really matters, whether it's your kids, whether it's your family, whether it's health, you know, and, and wellness, whether it's work could be work, but it's not all about work. The pie has to be separate equally. And in our profession, people can say, no, I'm managing all of it. But if you don't have time for your kids, if you don't have time for yourself, it's because you're putting a certain percentage of something too high. Mm. And that's just bottom line. And so it's hard. It's not easy. It's, it takes a partner. It takes for people to open up. Uh, but it is doable. It is, it is doable. And I'm, again, I was forced into doing it. And I hope my hope is that people will start listening or will maybe have a movement to sort of do that before they get to and it's not perfect listen to me i mean I, it's it's been it's been a challenge still a challenge on a daily basis not to get dragged back out to this but i want people to maybe realize that it can be done before people get to have this year off because they're anxious because they go to some depression major depression or you know even death in the book we talk about people that went through suicide or i mean not themselves they're not talking about it but but their partners talking about how they decided to take their own life because they couldn't be with themselves. Listen, y'all, make sure you grab this book, Healthcare Anonymous. It is linked up in the show notes, healthcareanonymous.com. You can grab a copy for you or if you have a friend who is in the healthcare field. I love this work that Dr. Maltese is doing. So, so important. But before we go, anything else? I think if you see people and oftentimes, you know, you're sort of stuck around yourself and, and I, I know I've been a 
victim of that. I mean, I've thought about myself a lot and, and, and God forbid, I forgot the people around me. I mean, just most recently, I know my mom for me has been a great support. Uh, she is going through her own things from, from my struggles. So I, I think, you know, realizing that this is not a self-limited thing. And if you, yeah. if, if you feel like you have a friend uh, or somebody that is struggling, that, man, I, I know I've, I've, I've gotten a lot into reaching out and just start to open up a conversation. And, you know, listen, if there's one person that will benefit from any conversation or any, any uncomfortable, hey, how's it going? Uh, a real how's it going? Then I think it's, it's worth it. And it's not always easy. Right. It takes better conference zone. But once you start reaching out, it's also a step for recovery and and it's a therapeutics yeah. in some ways to give back so listen y'all if there is a topic that you would like to see covered on a future episode of happy brain make sure you connect with us over on instagram at happy brain fm that is linked in the show notes and listen whether it is moving through pain by feeling pain releasing negative emotions through tapping or advocating for the mental health of your favorite healthcare worker we just hope you take a moment for yourself today my friends and keep that brain of yours Thank you for listening to another episode of Happy Brain. If you enjoyed this, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have an extra second, leave us an honest review over on iTunes or your Apple podcasting app. And until next time, my friends, keep that brain of yours happy. Happy.